Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Complex the Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How's how's everyone doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good. I am not happy with the weather. Yeah, it's hot. I like the cold. It is hot and muggy. This is bullshit. Yeah, I think it was like 80 yesterday. I mean, that's a little that's a little uh, excessive, especially for November. Climate's fine, though, guys. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. It's going great. <clears throat> all right, so uh, first, this week, we will start with Promote Extend Trade. And this one's a little long-winded, kind of, but... Um, so I was looking at Wikipedia, looking to see some stuff that happened, and back in 1921... The Treaty of Bonn was signed between Henry the Fowler of East Francia and Charles the Simple of Lorraine. Now, I said to myself, hmm, what did Charles do to be known as Charles the Simple? Because that's not a very flattering nickname. So it turns out that Charles the Simple is the son of King Louis the Stammerer, who is the grandson of Charles the Bald the cousin of Holy Roman Emperor Charles the Fat, and nephew of Lothair the Lame. So, 
the French branch of the uh, Carolingian dynasty, they definitely had some some bad nicknames. So, what bad baseball nicknames are we oh going to promote Extend Trade? That was a journey. <laughs> it was a journey. Journeys with promote Extend Trade. That's uh, one of the longest journeys. Are they just going to do best Carls or something? Or Charles? I mean. <laughs> All right. So here are three nicknames that are pretty bad. First is Gabby Harnett, the Hall of Fame catcher at the Cubs in the 20s and 30s. And his nickname was Old Tomato Face because apparently <laughs> he, he had rosacea or something. So his, his complexion was kind of like reddish. That's tough. Uh, yeah. Next is Hugh Mc- Mulcahy who was a right-handed pitcher at the Phillies in the 30s and 40s. And his nickname is is literally Losing Pitcher, presumably because <laughs> he, he never once posted a winning record, and he led the league in losses in 1938 and 1940. And ironically, he got MVP votes both years. So, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I don't know. He was an all-star in one of those years he received mvp votes both of those years and he led the league in losses you know this is the kind of thing that leads people to conclude that democracy was a mistake <laughs> listen the sports writers know what they're doing all right and last up is luke appling and luke appling's a hall of fame infield at the white Sox in the 30s and 40s and his nickname was old aches and pains because apparently he complained a lot He's just like me, for real. It's <laughs> like all of us, honestly. Yep. I slept at a two-degree angle, slightly off, perfectly straight last night, and now my back hurts for the next week. <laughs> I think we could all extend all aches and pains, because we, we, we understand. <laughs> too real. It's too real, man. Yeah. Uh, the losing pitcher. So what are we basing this on? If we're going by hilarity, I'm definitely extending or at least promoting losing pitcher here because that one's just too way too on the nose. The other one feels kind of mean, like the guy yeah. had a condition. This guy just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's a lot more fun to make fun of. And it's not even like creative, and that's funny. Like. It's like, look at him all losing pitcher on the mound today. <laughs> He's so bad that we don't even need to come up with something creative. We're just going to call him losing pitcher. He's that bad at the game. I'm imagining Keith doing like a Keith groan to be like, oh, it's losing pitcher on the mound today. <laughs> He'd have like some anachronistic story about facing old losing pitcher when he was a rookie with the Cardinals and <laughs> some whatever year. Keith He's like, I faced rookie. him in Tulsa in 1969, and he was... <laughs> he sucked. He sucked. I don't know he why he's have, here. His stuff was... How would Keith say that politely on the broadcast? His stuff was uh, not the best, and then chuckle somehow. <laughs> He'd be like, you know, Gare, he was terrible. <laughs> losing pitcher. He got all-star votes. That's he incredible. Did. Or he was an all-star and got MVP votes. Let's see. He got 20. He came in 25th place in 1938. Who was the MVP that year? Ernie Lombardi. I would never in a million years have guessed that. He won MVP with a 4.8 war. One, two, okay. three. The next, the next three guys behind him had basically double that. 
He was also in World War II. Could you imagine, like, the guy next to him was like, hey, aren't you losing, pitcher? <laughs> oh, shit, guys, and, we're fucked. We got he's like, losing. God damn it. Don't, don't give, give losing pitcher, guys, guys, don't give losing pitcher any of the grenades. It's not going <laughs> to go well. Just, just don't, we're not going to do it. Poor you, Mokehi. God, fucking losing pitcher. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to the AFL now, really is not much to talk about because uh, the schedule, the the Havalinas, they only played four games and they were two and two. And really, none of the Mets players, hitters or pitchers had any kind of impactful weeks. Um, Brandon McIlwain, he didn't even play. Kevin Kendall went 0 for 13 with three walks and five strikeouts. Stanley Consuegra went one for seven with a strikeout. Luke Ritter had the best week, I guess, out of everybody. He went 0 for 4 with three walks, three strikeouts, and he was hit by two pitches. I still cannot pretend to care about Luke Ritter. Oh, no. It's, you know. Um, on the pitching side, Grant Hartwig and Christian Scott did not pitch. Franklin Sanchez threw an inning, and he allowed three runs on three hits and a walk. Josh Walker, he uh, recorded one out. And he walked a batter. He struck out um, a batter. And Mike Vassell was the best of the bunch, I guess. He threw one scoreless inning, did not allow a hit, did not walk anybody, and he struck two batters out. And the uh, AFL All-Star game is actually being played right now as we are recording. And Josh Walker pitched. He threw another inning there, but he was a little less successful. He allowed two runs in the one inning that he... uh, he pitched, he gave up three hits, he threw a wild pitch, and he struck out one batter. So, not very interesting. And just in general, this year the AFL has been very uninteresting. It's It's been very boring. I mean, it's a kind of niche thing to begin with, so I guess it's never really exciting per se, but it just, it just feels very barren this year. It's... Also, the the one point I'll make is that I was at least holding out a little hope we'd hear something about Matthew Allen, maybe not at the start of this fall league, but at some point, and nothing. Yeah, no, he's he's dead, unfortunately. Uh, That's... that's Matthew Allen's demise is some bad news. We have some breaking news that we'll discuss, I guess, a little bit. And it's kind of good news, I guess. I mean, it's not bad news necessarily, but um, Edwin Diaz is resigning with the Mets. He is going to be getting uh, basically $20 million a year for the next five years. It's a little pricey. And that's kind of a little problematic because there are other guys that need to be resigned and there is a limit at the end of the day. But it is a necessary, you know, I mean, they 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 need to resign Edwin Diaz. They don't have anyone else. So at least they're not going to be trading for anybody. They're not going to be losing, you know, draft picks to sign someone else. So it is what it is. I know I am overly process brained often. And that that's not the best thing, but I cannot like get around giving a hundred million dollars to a reliever. Like that's that's insane to me. 
I know it's Edwin Diaz. He just had a historic year. He's fun as hell. Like, look, I'm thrilled to go listen to Narcos at, at a game again next year, unless I just get absolutely fucked in terms of game luck, which is possible. <laughs> but, like, that's so I mean, much money for a position they, where guys, like, just fall off a cliff randomly. They just didn't have a choice is the problem. Yeah, I, I mean, think they did. I think you could go get a different set of relievers. For, who? With the Mets? The Mets could do that? No, they can't. The Billy Epler can? I feel like if the Mets had a better bullpen, you could kind of roll the dice and say, okay, well, you know, we'll downgrade a little bit and sign yeah. someone else, and then the rest of the guys will pick up the slack. But, I mean, I honestly can't tell you a single guy that's in the Mets bullpen next year. I think Bruce Adamino? Yeah. Right. Like, no, uh, he's a free agent. Right, okay. I mean, so, my, my counterpoint is that they have so little... They they need to buy basically an entire bullpen. How are you doing that if you're giving twenty million dollars to one dude at the back end? Because I think most of it's going to be like the Adovino deals from last year. Like they're not going to sign Zach Elfin on the pen again, yeah, for three years. You know, which you're, if you're going to cheap out on the pen, having one Edwin Diaz is, you know, it's important. Yep. It's it's like. When the Yankees signed Chapman, it's because they didn't have they didn't really have the guys to develop into the next one. But now they do, so they wouldn't do that again. And like the Dodgers did that with Kenley, and now they don't have to do that stuff anymore. But the Mets aren't there yet, so the only way to either you don't have a major league bullpen and you have the worst bullpen in the league, or you sign Diaz for probably too much money and just suck it up. And if Cohen's going to spend three hundred thirty million dollars anyway, who cares? Like, which is the hope anyway. I mean, I, I think he has to now, right? Even I outside so the, the discussion about bullpen construction, and my argument would still be you're better off signing four or five good guys as opposed to one elite guy. But put put that thought aside, they have no center fielder. They have half a rotation. Uh, who the hell knows what's going to happen to catcher? Uh, and... It, if if they're working with the same budget as they had last, and they're also looking at massive arbitration rates across the board, if they're working with the same budget as they had last year, paying a quarter of your off-season budget to one reliever is insanity. They also so, might not be working with the same budget. Like yeah, we don't, exactly. we don't right, know right. that yet. You know, like but, I think, right, right. I'm not, I'm not claiming that we know that. I'm saying yeah, if that you know, winds yeah. up being the case, this mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, in I, six months, we'd be like, oh, <laughs> This has to be a sign that they are going to be increasing payroll That's significantly because this would be, like you said, ludicrous not to. Like, I mean, you're basically – if payroll does not raise commensurate to this deal, then you basically have to just blow up the entire team because you just can't afford to bring back any of those you know, brand names. You're not bringing back Nimmo and DeGrom and – I don't even know who else. Uh, Walker, possibly, you know. Bassett. Bassett, the, yeah. Opting out of his, declining the mutual option. So, I mean, I guess it's a good sign, but in a vacuum, yes, I agree. It's like, wow, that's a lot of money for I, for one guy. But I think it's one of those things where, like, he's, while yes, he could fall off a cliff, and he might, you never know. The likelihood is that he's just good again, like he just figured it out, whatever it is probably gooping but whatever it is and like you know he's good so then you figure out the rest of the bullpen and then you call it a day because i don't trust billy epler and the mets right now to find the next edwin diaz who's a free agent 
because they're just not smart enough yet. You saw that last year. All their like Adovino was a great signing, but they just kept throwing Trevor May out there, who was obviously not as good as he used to be, and they didn't address it at the deadline. And the guys that they did get at the deadline were like Darren Ruff, because that's who you think is good. And the Mets are just not there yet to do the Dodgers thing that we want them to do. And they have no one in the minor leagues. They don't. Bryce Montez Diak is not the answer, you know, because they don't know how to make him the answer. So they're just kind of screwed here, and they had to. If you're going to be a serious contender. Yeah, sad but true. Like, that's just the situation. Like, in five, six years, when his contract's over, hopefully they don't need to do this ever again. Because they'll be able to just cycle these guys in and out. But you're asking a lot for year two Mets of this regime. Uh, uh, Going back to that point, I still, like... You're going to be saddled with this by the time you are figuring it out. And maybe it's not a big deal, right? It's not our money. It's all those arguments. But I, I don't know. It seemed pretty obvious they were going to do this for a while. The rumors have been out there that they both wanted to they wanted to work this out. Diaz wanted to be here. The Mets wanted to pay him. And he's just purely from the aesthetic part of it. He's very fun. He's arguably the best pitcher in the in baseball on a per, on a rate basis. Um like that's all well and good. I, I I think there's an argument that this is not the best way to construct the bullpen, though. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I guess we'll see. <laughs> My biggest issue is that five more years of that stupid song now. Boo, Steve, Steve, my man. Come on. Cursed song. Uh, like it known that uh, Steve's opinions uh, do not speak for the rest of the members of the pod. Ghost <laughs> is in fact a banger. Banger. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We have five more years, so three if he's good. He'll just opt out. That's true. When does he opt out? Did that come out already? After the third year. Third year. Okay. And he has full no trade, and I think they said twenty million dollar option for year six. Yeah, for a six, but I doubt. Like, yeah, that, if he's that, still good, if he's still good, then then <laughs> goddamn, right. he's going to the Hall of Fame. That that's basically a trick to get him more money without the luxury tax bill going higher. So yeah, I'm not too concerned about that side of it. Look, it'd be great if he's still good. Then that'd be that'd be awesome. That'd be a straight up Hall of Fame reliever. Press X he, to doubt. Because He'd have like 400 saves. Yeah. <laughs> Unless the Mets are trash for a couple of years, which yeah, yeah that's possible too. Don't you know. know. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So this week we are going to wrap up our uh, full season team reviews. And last but not least are the St. Lucie Mets, who ended up being the best team. And they basically ran roughshod over the competition in the first half. They went 40-25, and 25 and they won the Florida State League East Division by five and a half games and guaranteed themselves a spot in the FSL playoffs. But they weren't as good in the second half. They were still good, though, but not as good. They went 33-31, and 31, and they ended up placing in second and were four games behind the Palm Beach Cardinals. Uh, all in all, they went 13-7 and seven in April. They went 17-9 and nine in May. They had their first sub-500 season in June. I mean, uh, month, not season, excuse me, in June. They went 12-13. and 13. Then they were 13-11 and 11 in July, 13-12 and 12 in August, and 5-4 and four in September. The team that gave them the most trouble basically all year were those same uh, Palm Beach Cardinals, and St. Lucie met them in the FSL Division Series, and they swept them. They won both games. Uh, game one, six to one, and then game two, three to two, and went on to meet the Dunedin Blue Jays in the Florida State League Championship Series. And once again, the Mets swept them. They won both games. Uh, game one, they won six to five, and then game two, they won six to three, and they won their first Florida League championship since 2006. It was St. Lucie's sixth championship. They also won in 1988. 1996, 1998, 2003, and 2006. And because they are the Mets, and the Mets can never stop being the Mets, they decided not to bring back St. Lucie's manager, Robbie Robinson, for the 2023 season. So, very similar to, uh, you know, the Cyclones winning the New York Penn League Championship with Edgardo Alfonso, and then him being let go a couple weeks later. The Mets just can't help themselves. Um, so from bottom, top to bottom, uh, April to September, basically someone at, at some point was hot and carrying the team. And obviously, you know, that's why they won the championship, I guess. Um, early in the season, this is kind of, kind of funny, kind of sad, I guess, but early in the season, like the best player in the entire system, not just the team, but the entire system was Shervian Newton. He was... Heads he and was shoulders. insane at the yeah. start. It was crazy. Yeah. He hit 298, 375, 548, which was a 159 WRC+. And then he got promoted to uh, Brooklyn in mid-May, and things promptly <laughs> came to a halt. Um, they often do versus Ian Newton. Yeah, unfortunately. Alex Ramirez and Stanley Consuegra, same thing, uh, though not to that extent they were both really mashing in uh st Lucie before they got promoted to brooklyn in like early july-ish and things kind of slowed down a little bit ramirez hit uh 284 360 443 which is a 129 bill yorsi plus and consuegra hit 251 324 431 which is a 114 uh weighted hard c plus they were really the most noteworthy prospects on the team, but really all year or, you know, for big chunks of the year, the rest of that core, like, you know, guys that, that played majority of the season there, they did step up and they did perform. Uh, Raul Beresierta, he hit 300, 352, 467, 
which is a 133 WRC plus. I swear, every time I had a recap, he was going off. Like, yeah, he was one of those guys for me. <laughs> he, we, Very we consistent. Should, like, it, we should like in future years each identify our recap all stars, like the guys <laughs> we just without any sort of data to back it up, but the guys noticed, that yeah. we anecdotally notice every time we're doing a farm report because there'd be some great names on that mm. list. Because it's some, it's some random guys. I'm like, he hit his second home run, and both of them have been on a Thursday. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, you just get, like, weird-ass split things. It'd be fun as... Yeah, we should do that next year. Uh, let's see. Omar De Los Santos, he hit 272, 339, 459, a 127 weighted. Uh, William Lugo, he hit 261, 347, 427, which is a 122 weighted. Carlos Dominguez, he hit 233, 324, 426, 115 weighted. Junior Talian hit 248, 312, 406, 105 weighted. And Justin Guerrero, he hit 203, 360, which is a 99 weighted, which is, you know, close enough to a league average. So, I mean, you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, plus the two prospects, 7, 8. I mean, that's basically like eight of your your position players who at least played in a third of the uh, season hitting average or better. So that's a good offense. I have two um, two comments on those guys. Sure. Omar De Los Santos Santa is fun as hell. I just wish he could, you know, make contact. He had like a billion stolen bases. 70 mm-hmm. stolen bases in 111 games. Hmm. <laughs> Um, but also striking out 32% of the time as a 23-year-old in single A. Uh, second, how much of a dude do we think Junior Tillian is? Uh, I like he's, him. He, he's, he's someone dude. to keep an eye on. Like, yeah, he's 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 one of those guys to uh, watch. I mean, international signings that had a little bit of hype to them, they, they take a while to brew, but he might be ready. Above average performance as a twenty-year-old in A-ball. That's that's something maybe. Exactly. It's it's something. Mm. There's something there, like a little bit, and it's worth circling for next year. Yep. He also started well and then kind of faded. I wonder if he was tired. Um, oh, yeah. And the I, overall season line is obscuring. In his he first month, he yeah. hit like seven home runs or something like that. Like it was crazy. This isn't exactly a league that's gonna adjust to you. I don't think it's fair to say, right? It's not like these—they're passing around scouting reports and a ball saying, "Oh, Junior Tillian is whatever." Um, so I don't know. I think it's, it's an intriguing name there in the bottom of the system. Yeah, I mean, you want a healthy system has like a bunch of those kinds of guys, and you hope that you know one or two take those next steps. And it seems like Junior Tillian is on the cups of maybe taking those next steps. So definitely got to uh, pay attention to next year, <clears throat> presumably in Brooklyn. Um, so, yeah, pretty good offense. And in terms of pitching, we basically saw all those college pitchers that the Mets took in the middle rounds of the 2021 draft. They were basically all assigned to uh, St. Lucie instead of Brooklyn. And we figured that because of that, St. Lucie would have a pretty dominant rotation. And they did to a degree. I mean, it wasn't like dominant, but it was good. It was solid. Um, Of the 10 teams that are in the Florida State League, the Mets were 4 out of 10 in Team ERA. 
they led the league in strikeouts. They were 5 out of 10 in hits allowed. And they led the league in fewest home runs allowed. Um, they did allow, though, the second most walks. And they did throw the most uh, wild pitches. So I feel like a certain one pitcher is skewing the numbers on this. <laughs> he got demoted real quick. But, I mean, basically, it was a... It was a a lot of pitchers that you know struck out a lot of guys, but command is maybe not the best, and that is just something that uh, the Mets have to have their guys work on is work on command. Um, focusing on some of the more legit young pitchers, there's three guys in particular: Calvin Ziegler, Joel Diaz, and Javier Atencio, who are 19, 18, and 20 respectively. Uh, Ziegler, he started 16 games. He had a 440 ERA in 46.2 innings with 26 hits allowed, 35 walks, and 70 strikeouts. Um, Diaz, he started 10 games. He had a 586 ERA in 55.1 innings with 62 hits allowed, 25 walks, and 51 strikeouts. And Atencio started eight games, and he had a 227 ERA in 39.2 innings with 30 hits allowed, 23 walks. And 48 strikeouts. None of these guys like lived up to expectations, but they were definitely not bad either. And they all kind of had like the same season. They were limited in innings due to you know either just managing the workload or just kind of injury. They had a all had a ton of strikeouts, but again, you know, got to work on that on that uh, commands. Got to tighten that up. Diaz. Uh... I mean, Baseball America was big on him before the season. I've talked to a couple people who, despite the underwhelming stat line, shall we call it, think he's still pretty decent. So, something there. I mean, um, he's a he's an 18 year old in a ball. So yeah, yeah. The 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 hits allowed is you know not great, but it is what it is. The walks, you know, I mean, that's something that will be addressed in the future. He struck out almost nine batters per inning, though, which is, you know, it's pretty good that you're able to fool older, Mm -hmm. more advanced hitters like that. That seems to suggest he's got some stuff that moves or or does does some appealing things, but can neither put it in the strike zone nor where he wants it to be in the strike zone, hence the walks and hits. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, that's fine for an 18-year-old, you know? Yeah. 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 Just don't trade him for, you know, Wilmer Font or whatever. Mm. I would say they don't do that anymore, but they did trade uh, Jose Acuna, and he had a pretty solid season. Mm-hmm. Now, Tyler Naquin is not Wilmer Font, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> At least he had some use. But, you know, um, having three guys like that, three young, pretty promising guys, all, you know, basically at the same age, same level and development. And then you could even add, you know, some uh, 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 Jonathan, who they drafted this year into that group. You know, it's good that they have a bunch of guys that are basically lotto tickets, you know, high high profile lotto tickets because – I don't know if this is statistically true or not, but it feels right anecdotally. Prep pitchers and international pitchers are the guys that have like the highest 
flame out rates, you know? So and that's always been the, I mean, that's the Moneyball era draft logic, right? You take yeah. college hitters, college pitchers, prep hitters, and then last are prep pitchers because who the fuck knows what you're getting with that. Exactly. And just to highlight that a little bit, go back a couple of years ago, these are the top pitching prospects that the Mets had in the system in that vein. Prep high school guys that were drafted or international um, guys that were assigned. Oh, no, that's going to be ugly. Yeah, yeah, so you have Marcos Molina, Robert Gazelman, Chris Flexen, Mirandi Gonzalez, that's a name, and Thomas Sapucky. Did they, so, didn't they wind up trading Mirandi for um, – oh, they traded him for um, uh, the, the – the, Bad reliever from the Marlins who couldn't throw a strike. AJ Ramos? Is that who I'm thinking of? Possibly. I know that he did end up in the Marlins, but I'm pretty sure that's when they traded mm. him, along with like Ricardo Cespedes or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, that list of guys. You have Flexen, who's more or less like a replacement level player, maybe a little bit better. But Gazelman is in Japan. Dury is out on Thomas Zapucky in San Francisco right now. And Marcos Molina and Miranda Gonzalez are both out of baseball for a couple of years now. So that's not, you know, a particularly, you know, you need you need a bunch of guys because you don't know what's going to stick to the wall when you throw everything. Just to yep. put that in perspective now, you don't know what's going to happen. Go back a couple of years further before that grouping of people. And these are the top pitching prospects that the Mets had that were either high school prep guys or international signings. Noah Syndergaard, Rafael Montero, Stephen Matz, Jacob deGrom, Domingo Tapia, Michael Fulmer, Jay Reese Familia. That group certainly worked out. Yeah, that worked out better. Even Domingo Tapia was in the majors. Yeah, he was, which surprised me. I was just like, oh, man, like, it wasn't a perfect, you know, this this one guy is, is going to ruin everything. But, yeah, he actually did make it, which I did not realize. What did he I make it for? I, I don't Boston remember. Boston and the uh, A's, I believe. Huh. Yeah, he was in the majors this year. Yeah. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, right? <laughs> how, did, how did I miss this? It surprised me, too. But point is, you want as many guys... Because you don't know who's going to work out, and you don't know who's going to flame out. I feel like they're going to have another interesting crop of arms here next year again with uh, some of the guys they drafted this year. Um, yeah, I mean, so, some of the guys that they drafted did get some time in uh, St. Lucie, and some will get sent to Brooklyn. Some might get, you know, repeat their time in St. Lucie, but there were definitely a couple of standout performances with the guys that did uh, play at St. Lucie this year. Obviously, I think you could honestly send uh, Diaz back and just make him like try to get him more innings at this level. It's not like he pitched a ton. No, I think all those guys, like, with the exception maybe Atencio, but I mm-hmm. think you could keep Ziegler at low A because you're in no rush. You could keep Diaz in low A. You're in no rush. Atencio, he did succeed, so, you know, give him, throw him a bone and promote him. And he is the oldest of that bunch anyway. He's a whole 20 years old. Wow. Clock is ticking on him, man. <laughs> um, 
some of the Probably 2020 tong to that group and maybe uh dylan to break too they have a yeah. nice rotation again t break will we'll see i think that he maybe should skip but because he is kind of a little older. I and... see. I agree, but because they sent the college guys, to yeah, Brooklyn, yeah, or excuse true. me, to St. Lucie this year. Yeah, I don't think the Mets agree. <laughs> um, some of the 2022 guys that did have time in St. Lucie this year, obviously most noteworthy, Kevin Parada. Um, he hit 276, 463, 414 in 10 games with a double, a home run, and 10 walks to 12 strikeouts. Obviously, you know, he's good. And here's an interesting stat I actually saw um, in the St. Lucie playoff run. So, you know, the two-game series against Palm Beach Cardinals and the Dunedin Blue Jays, he challenged 13 balls, and he had all of them overturned to strikes. So, dude knows the strike. Kevin Parada did. Yeah. Behind the dish. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. He or knows. It seems impressive. Yeah, well, wild. he knows the strike zone as a hitter. He knows the strike zone as a receiver, and that is that's good. Um, DeAndre Smith, he hit 256, 327, 512 in 13 games, three doubles, a triple, two homers, three walks, and 13 strikeouts. He was like the the biggest what you know when they signed him in the fifth round. So good to see. Some high-level production from him. Um, Chase Estep, the last of the hitters that performed decently. He hit 214, 323, 405 with four doubles, four homers, and 13 walks to 23 strikeouts. And then really on the pitching side is one standout guy, Blade Tidwell. And during the regular season, he posted a 216 ERA in 8.1 innings for them with four hits allowed, six walks, and nine strikeouts. So, yeah, the future is looking good for St. Lucie and Brooklyn. I'll be living 60 blocks further south next year. Maybe I'll finally get out to a Brooklyn game. Oh, that's good. Still terrible, but... It's still a long way, but slightly <laughs> less long. Is it by the two, uh, two or three stop at least? Yeah, yeah, it's right by a two stop. All right, so that, that'll expedite the process. So, yeah, the 20, uh, 2022 St. Lucie Mets were good. And the 2023 St. Lucie Mets should also be a solid team. If you look at the GCL Mets and the uh, Dominican Summer League team, Probably not too many hitters are going to be coming up, but, you know, pitching at the very least should be pretty good. And Who knows, as, maybe you get another junior Tillian level breakout, or you hope to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the pattern of the championships that St. Lucie's won, they've like basically all come in pairs. You know, with the exception of 1988, which was like its own lone thing, they won championship in 96 and 98. And then 2003 and 2006. So maybe uh, they'll they'll win back-to-back championships and continue that pattern. Here's hoping. All right. So if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.